Hey, hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome, everyone, to Eastern Current. What's My name going is Billy on? Thorpe. This is Judson Brock right here beside me. What's up, Judson? What's going on, guys? Super stoked that uh, we are put this podcast together. Judson and I got together for coffee to talk about his brand, uh, to print some T-shirts and some hats, do some hats. We did. And then we just came up with an idea and said, hey, let's run with this thing. So um, That was how long it, ago? Uh, I think it was about a week and a half, two weeks ago. <laughs> <I think> so. <laughs> So, so basically, I quit everything else I was doing, put my business on hold, and just focus on the show. That's what it seems like, anyway. Uh, so I'll be taking up donations just to cover my cost of time. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, we are so excited about the show, man. We got just an excellent show lined up for you, uh, man. We got we got Luke Donay from Spot on Charters. We're going to be talking about flounder fishing, and and then we got Ben Chesney here as well, local legend. Uh, works at a local so tackle up, shop, man? intercoastal angler, but uh, also uh, just a great fisherman. So super <laughs> super excited uh, about the show. Uh, we had a little bit of uh, just a little issues you know anytime you put something like this together you have little technical issues last i don't know minute. how we pulled it off yeah i don't know how we pulled it off justin was running across town to get a couple microphones and then uh, uh luke um is going to join us on skype here and so he was you know stuff was happening uh everything you know, that could have gone wrong, skype. wrong. So but we anyway, got guys, it we're here so the best way you can take all the stress off of us is go like and share and and share this page share this video share the stream uh, and when you do share, we're going to do a giveaway at the end, which is going to be a hat. Uh, let me just bring up this hat real quick for you if I can find it. As well as. Yeah, let me bring it up. I'm actually going to go to my camera here, just the main camera. What's up, guys? And I'm going to show you this hat. Oh, yeah, right here's the Eastern Current hat. So we're going to be giving this away. I'm just going to put it on for you real quick. There you go. I'll just put it over my head. I'm actually wearing this hat right now. It's a on digital the, hat. On the computer, that is impressive. So it's going to be a real hat. Yeah, yeah. That's what I do, man. That's what nerds do. We figure out weird stuff. You are a nerd. Anyway. I wish y'all could see the setup he's got in here. Yeah, man. I wish you guys could see the setup. Super stoked. Hey, what's up, Zach Kirby? Long time friend. He says, I'm confused. Everyone has clothes, and there's not a tip button. <laughs> Dude, I, you're going to come on the show, and we're going to talk about spear spearfishing. Uh, but right now, we got a super good show. Judson, first of all, thank you. I want to thank my wife for just like allowing me to spend so much time on this. She's amazing. 
Um, sure. So yeah, man, cool. But I'm gonna go over some. What? Well, I guess we'll go over some sponsors. There's only a few of them. Yeah, let's do it quick. We'll, we'll hit them and we'll uh, we'll get rolling. Cool, absolutely. Let's do it. So first up, I just want to say uh, you know big shout out to Cito, Cito, not Cito, Cito here in Wrightsville Beach. Uh, oh, Scott, man, I called him, said, hey, we're doing this uh, online show. And he said, yeah, I want to be a part of it. Uh, and so we had a CETO tip of the day. And actually, I'm going to share it. I had a slide and everything, but we had so many technical difficulties, I couldn't update it. So here is a CETO tip of the day. We'll hit it first thing. He says, when operating your vessel in unfamiliar water, slow down. <laughs> it makes sense. I, it, I, that's a good one. I should uh, – I, I don't really live by that. I can't can't say but yeah it makes sense to me it's like if you're un- unfamiliar water whatever you know i drive a i drive a kayak so i have no problem there i can't go really fast i kind of live more by the uh brown brown hammer down so when it's shallow just speed yeah. up you usually get out of it a little better so <laughs> that's just me though <laughs> yeah that's perfect man so anyway that's our sea tip of the day and then also uh we have eastern angling judson brock is the captain over eastern angling and money fly guys service so he is um obviously when you own two business like we own a business or he owns a business i own a business and we are our own sponsors because that's who's paid for all this upfront cost uh so then thorpe creative which is my business we do hats apparel t-shirts all, all that kind of stuff so uh let us know but really justin why don't you talk about iStrike strike real quick i mean that was your connection and they, they've just been super supportive of what we've been doing on here yeah definitely iStrike. strike um i met uh with those guys a while back and they've been good friends they've come down and fished with me in louisiana and uh they're just a real cool company they're out of uh the charleston area charleston south carolina and got some really cool um, jig heads. They're really doing a lot of cool stuff. But they've given us um, $60 worth of jigs to give away tonight. And so um, if you stay tuned and, and you comment in the show, you've got a chance to win $60 worth of ice strike fishing gear. Yeah, man, 60 bucks. So all you got to do is, is get on here and um, – yeah, just comment and do that. And, and you know what? I, I lied about the hat. I forgot we changed it up. I'm going to give the hat away to the um, to to the person that we deemed catch of the week later on in the show. I like it. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot I changed it up there last minute. That's so, all right. You so anyway, man. Going on. So we're going to get right to the show. We're going to get right to the guest. Like uh, super stoked once again. What was that? <laughs> My feet are sweating like crazy. Oh, sweaty feet. That's good. No one can see them, right? Yeah, maybe I'm just a little nervous. So, man, let's go ahead and get started here. Uh, first of all, I just want to want to welcome uh, Ben Chesney. I'm going to put, I'm going to just put him right on camera here. Here he is. Look at him, ladies and gentlemen. How's it going? What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, for sure, man. How I didn't your... think y'all were going to be able to pull it off. Couldn't hear Luke. Couldn't see Luke. Couldn't <laughs> I was ready to go him. home. But uh, yeah, man. Billy, you, you pulled it off. Yeah, man. A little good fade. job. Hey, dude. Uh, here's my wife's cousin Josh. He says, "Hey, when I start catching flounder." Uh, I'll know you know what you're doing or something like that. Oh, right. so when he starts catching flounder. Okay, makes right. perfect sense. Sounds good. We'll Abs- take the challenge. Absolutely. We'll definitely take the challenge. Uh, what a sexy legend someone says about uh, about you, Ben. That's pretty generous of them. They don't know what they're talking about, obviously. <laughs> He's going to pay them afterwards. So super stoked to have Ben on, man. <laughs> just a uh, from Thanks the coast to the mountains, just a, a great fisherman. So, so awesome, man. Good to have you, dude. Yeah, man. Thanks. Good to have you. Good to have you. And then uh, Luke Donay, what's up, man? Can you hear us? Are you still on? Yeah, guys. How are you? Glad to be here. Man, doing good. Thank you so much. I know you've had some de- technical difficulties, but appreciate it, man. So I'm just going to bring everybody on camera, and uh, we'll just uh, – it says multi-cam is Ben. It's just That's just Ben's camera. Let me fix that really quick. <laughs> I think you should keep it. This is uh, – hey, there we go. Here we go. Everybody's here's, up. Everybody's live. Four of the most beautiful specimens on the planet. So uh, – <laughs> Yeah, what a couple studs on screen. Appreciate that, Austin Parker. Um, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I'm just gonna keep on rolling with the comments here, just because I love them. 
But but I'm gonna go ahead and let Judson uh, take this man and just start. We'll start with Luke and we'll just uh, ask you some questions, Luke. I know I've I met you at tournaments. Uh, you're always bringing in some big fatty flatties, uh, just to the scale. Can I say fatty flatties? Big fatty flatties. Big fatty that's, flatties. That's really cheesy. What's cheesy. It is cheesy. Go with the lingo. Go with the lingo, man. I'm digging it. Yeah, big man. Big fatty flatties. Big old fatty flatties. I like it. Uh, always bringing them to the tournament. Always when I was you know, at those tournaments with you and, and watch you come in and weigh those things in, you and your wife, Joy, are just awesome people, huge supporters of the community. So thank you for being on the show. Awesome. Yeah, for sure, Luke. Uh, also, Luke is an incredible fisherman, but also probably – the best in town when it comes to boat electronics. He might not want me to tell you all that, but um, but he's he's helped me out a lot of times. <laughs> no, no, I tell you, man. I, you know, it's you know working working in the business for that long. I did you know whatever I could do for that long to be as close as I could to the water and be on the water fishing and uh, love working on boats um, for for so long. But it just got. It got to be where, man, I just I just had to go where my passion was, and that was to be on the water. And I got to say, if I was climbing in out of a console all day long, it was going to be with a fishing rod in my hand there and not go. a wrench. There you go. Heck I like yeah, that. Man. Heck yeah. Um, well, we're going to start firing some questions at you and Ben. Are you ready for them? Um, yeah, man. The first one is just kind of tell – I'm, I'm going to start with you, Luke. Just tell us how you got into fishing, how you, how, how this passion was born. Yeah, man, for sure. I'll I tell you, I, I was military family. So, you know, my dad was in the Navy 26 years. So uh, wherever we lived, we lived on the coast. I mean, whether it was Mississippi, whether it was Guam, whether it was the Philippines, whether it was California, whether it was, uh, you know, Maryland, where, wherever it was, uh, man, we were, you know, we were on the water. And so my father gave me that type of passion. And uh, man, it just never left my body. So, uh, man, it just, I could never get away from it, even if I wanted to. That's, so, man, the that's passion's cool. been in me. It's always been in me. It always will be in me. For sure. So, it's a hard one to, uh, to get rid of, even if you want to. How about you, Ben? Where, where's your fishing passion? Where was it born? I kind of uh, know man, the story. Um, about yesterday. <laughs> uh, like Luke, <laughs> man, I was, was uh, kind of just, uh, when I started growing up, uh, we had a pond in our backyard when I was young, so it came at a young age, and um uh, started fishing out there with my dad obviously probably like most guys doing the whole brim fishing bass fishing thing uh, at a very young age about one or two and uh i was hooked ever since no pun intended he yeah was no none I at all no yeah ben has got it probably worse than anybody i've ever met in my entire life uh, i doubt it but uh <laughs> yeah just started at a very young age as i got older adapted to different other fishing styles fly fishing in the mountains come to the coast uh my grandparents when i was about eight moved to new Bern, and i spent this last summers there fishing with them uh neighbors docks marinas so i kind of got a love to got a love for saltwater fishing there and it's been so what do you since. like better i mean be honest i mean this is on live all your friends and family are watching i know you fish right at the stream up there on south holston come on what's the, come on what is saltwater man i tell everybody I, I love my favorite type of fishing is what i'm doing right then and there okay i don't have, I don't, I, like have I don't have a favorite it's just it's uh just what i'm doing right then that's like fair it. enough hey you guys will have to forgive me i'm like switching live while i'm no, trying to keep good. up with the conversation good, uh so there's been a couple shots where it was ben talking in my face <laughs> so <laughs> i apologize we're I'm trying learning to keep this, up with we're learning all the technology uh, yeah, I just tried. I learned all this new technology in like the last week and a half. So uh, if, if the, I'm the idiot, I'm the camera guy. So um, awesome, man. So go ahead, man. Go ahead, Justin. You got all the questions. Over yeah, there, so for sure, for sure. So 
we're kind of gonna or we're going to kind of just jump into the the whole flounder fishing segment here. So, Luke, um, my first question was kind of when did you really get into flounder fishing? Because I've known since since I met you a couple years back that 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 was kind of your gig, and it's the word on the street is that um, you do catch some fatty flatties. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, uh, when was that? When did you start fishing flatties. flounders? Flounder. <laughs> No, man, I, I'll tell you, man, I've, I've, I've been flounder fishing uh, for as long as I can remember. Um, honestly, you know, when I was when I was younger, once again, you know, what I, some of my first memories were uh, actually in Mississippi, flounder fishing down there. Um, and even uh, back, uh, you know, used to gig back then. I remember taking my mom's salad bowl and uh, grabbing a lantern and taping it to it and having that metal salad bowl reflect into the water and wade into the water and gig. Oh, that's, um, that's awesome. That, that's pretty hardcore. That's, that's very hardcore. And that was that was you know that's probably the hardest way to gig, but you know down in Mississippi you got to do what you got to do. Um, uh, but then I, then I evolved. I evolved from gigging and and got into to realize, you know, what it was really about on the flounder side. Um, and uh, it's inshore fish. As inshore fish go, man, I gotta say flounder big. Big flounder are one of the hardest uh, fish to, to target. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's it's very hard to pattern flounder unless you're on them constantly. Um, and I gotta say, man, it's just I, it's it's just they they get me because I've lost so many big fish. I've seen so many big fish, and, uh, and man, it's just it's one of those things that kind of when it gets in you, it gets in you. Definitely, definitely. I would say I have not really had much care in the world for flounder the past few years, and about a year ago. Um, with Ben, I just kind of decided that that was something that I wanted to try to learn how to do. Was catch so has Ben been your, I'm just going to jump in here. Has Ben yeah. been your flounder fishing mentor? What did you say that? I, yeah, in a way, for sure. I need to really I, I, build some value on this show with Ben being here. So I just need to know that he can be a mentor to other people. Oh, I'm just here for moral support more ben, than anything. Ben, has, ben, <laughs> ben is a great mentor for anyone out there who needs a mentor, um, especially when it comes to flounder fishing. But me and Ben were fishing a tournament last summer. And you lost a fatty flatty. <laughs> yeah, I'm more of, um, unlike Luke, I'm more of just kind of stumble upon him every now and then. Um, but, uh, yeah, we were fishing the tournament. We we thought we had a nice red. Uh, so we were done for the day. We were celebrating our w- red win. But what uh, we didn't realize is Judd's bug grip was not calibrated. He was about a pound lighter than, <laughs> than we thought. So we were going to give our uh, world <laughs> flounder fishing. And uh, uh, we had one real nice bite. Uh, flipping a big finger mullet up against the bank and kind of working it back like I, I like to on a lighter Carolina rig and got that one thump that you just know is that the, it's flounder a big one. Um, you just get that. I know Luke can attest that just one just just smacks it and uh, sat there for a second and just kind of let him eat it. He got up and started moving away because they will do that every now and then. Try and move back up and try and get that get set back up. Yeah. To eat that mullet, and uh, he was going towards the dock. And I thought he had it, and I, I hit him and I pulled him off. But he was probably that was painful. He was probably that I would pound. say is when my real passion for flounder was born. Like, okay, this is cool. So you were on that same trip. Yeah, we were, so you we guys were fishing, fishing on that trip and, and that. So yeah, okay. So it's a it's a new passion. Luke, Luke Tippett wants to know if you can mentor him, Ben. Is that good? <laughs> it's a, it's, a, it's a, Luke Tippett. It's one hundred dollars. I think per you should hour. go for it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Yeah, no comment. Hey, we're we're actually going to shut down Eastern Current. We're going to become a mentor group. 
I'll mentor all you nerds in video, and you guys can mentor them in fishing. I like it. Hey, so we we do have another question, though, and I I know Luke uh, Donay, I know you and I kind of touched on this a little bit. I don't want to get too much into it because, once again, here at Eastern Current, man, we're here to have, you know, one fun. We're here to talk about fishing. And uh, when Judson and I decided to do this, we said, hey, we don't really want to get too political. We don't want to get too controversial, but we will. But someone just asked, like, hey, are they closing on the flounder season? So before we start addressing that issue, because it might get deep fast, but I'll pull us back out. No worries. I do want to say this. There's a couple people just through the last week that, you know, really was like kind of hitting us up going, hey, should you do a different episode of flounder fishing? Because we may not have the season. It might get shortened. It might do all those things. And, you know, really, I just want to say, first and foremost, we kind of made that decision before we announced that we were even doing a show and also made that decision uh, before they announced any, you know, potential upcoming changes in August or whatever it is. And so but then I also want to just remind people there's people from Maine to Texas that are flounder fishing and the stuff that we're going to share tonight and and some of the stuff and some of the rigging that Luke is going to share is really going to bring value, hopefully, to more people Sure, we're here in North Carolina. We're based in North Carolina. We're going to focus on the coast of North Carolina for a while. But if people from Maine to Florida, you know, want to want to chime in and and learn something, that's who we're for. We're here for the fishermen. So I just want to keep that in mind as we hit some of these topics, even on this episode and and, and further on down the line. Uh, we're all about the kind of the glo- not global, but more of a national, you know, fishing or, or eastern coast. Is that what you say, Judson? That's kind of what we talked about. So yeah, just up and down the east coast. Cool. So, I mean, you guys can chime in as you want to about that. I don't know that, you know, we're uh, 17 minutes into this thing, so our influence in this decision is probably not going to be very much. <laughs> but it's but a topic can, that people... But it's topic, about. man, It's and it's hot, and that's one of the reasons we want to talk about flounder, because it's just a hot topic, first fishing, and now this subject, especially in North Carolina. So, Luke, I know you have some thoughts about that. You're kind of passionate about it. Uh, once again, guys, any guests on the show does not reflect mine or... or or uh, Judson's opinion. We are here for the fishermen, both recreational, both commercial. We're here for for people who like to be on the water. So you know, if this these guys' opinions differ than our opinions or your opinions, uh, we're all in this in some way together to take care of the planet and enjoy each other. So yeah, Luke, go ahead and share a couple of your thoughts about that. Man, for for sure. So this it's my opinion should be. I, I believe, you know, a, a lot of people's opinion. Uh, honestly, I'm more for the fish. I'm I'm for the fish over the fishermen. You know, I'd rather, um, you know, create the species to or have the species be, you know, prevalent. So, you know, to sit there and point fingers at each other is not the right way to go. Right now, we need to worry about getting our stocks up. Our flounder fishery right now is plummeting. Um, it has been it, it has been on a downward spiral since the 80s, but we finally got to a tipping point where it's really going exponentially down. So honestly, really, it's not about who did what when. It's not. What it is right now is how do we fix it? How do we fix it? So let's be about the fish, not the fishermen on this point. Let's go ahead and all get together and say, hey, man, we need better measures. We need better management. It's not about, you know, hey, we need a North Carolina. So at the end of it, that's what we need. And in my opinion, that's just that's just kind of where I'm at. So good, good man, good opinion. Anybody yeah, else definitely. in the room want to kind of chime in on that at all? I, I would have to piggyback back Luke there and just say that I mean we all love fishing. We should all be you know for the fish. And I, I agree 100. percent It's not about pointing fingers. It's just looking at you know where where our fish are and 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 trying to make 
or where our fish levels are and just trying to make that better. So I would agree with you 100% there on that. Yeah, you know, I tell you, I give, you know, the the different type of seminars and stuff that I give in the wintertime, and I've done this for years, I've said, you know, if you want a better flounder fishery, you know, call your congressman. Um, because that's where it starts for our for our monies. I mean, all our monies that come in from, um, you know, uh, our fishing licenses and all these things that come in to where it's like, hey, we can allocate these monies to where, you know, it benefits all of us, commercial and recreational, and that's the way we need to think. So. It's like you want to, if you really want to make a difference, that's where you need to go. For sure, for sure. It's a, uh, it's a good topic, and yet we've been. Oh, oh, sorry, need the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I uh, there's too, too many things to forget up here, but um, but no, I, I agree with you. That's that's definitely where we need to be. Um, so let's look at these next questions. The next one was, um, here we go. Tell me. All right. Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, we got uh, Philip Stan on here asking uh, preference of artificial or live bait and why. That's a pretty good question. I think it was actually on our list. Yeah, so, it was on our list. Uh, sure. If you guys want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, Luke, I, I think everybody would probably agree you're like the flounder go-to guy. I mean, I don't know if you guys would agree or not, but everybody I know. I'm sure so. he's caught a lot bigger flounder and more of them than us. Yes, yeah, that, absolutely. That's, that's so, I, I'm, I'd be curious to hear Luke's uh, input on that. I don't yeah. know. My mom has caught some pretty big flounder um, off her dock so topsail, so oh, we should okay. have her on here next time. She's we'll have her, dude. Four or five, What's I your think. Mom's pretty name? good ones. I want to meet your mom. <laughs> <laughs> she was fishing this afternoon Miss when I left Judy. topsail. She oh, Miss Judy. Judy. Yeah, I saw her yeah. some, like some stuff on our Facebook. She's, uh, she is the flounder queen, but Luke is the flounder king. Not that they're together, but... We're gonna we're here to talk talk to Luke today. I don't know Luke? where I'm going with that. Yeah, absolutely. But, well, Luke, I'll I'll share one thing with you. I got up this morning and Facebook always gives you those little reminders or whatever. So it was like a two year reminder. I caught my first flounder right off the north end of uh, Wrightsville Beach, and I was like, you know, it says finally two in a row. Like I think it was I fished out there that same spot. You guys want to know what I'm talking about? I don't want to share it because it's a secret. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to share my secret. I've never flounder. heard of the North End Wrightsville uh, Beach. No. Yeah, dude, just go over there sometime. It's just a pond. And anyway, I pulled it out. So I thought, man, what a cool thing to like. For sure. For sure, two years ago. Now we're talking about it. So, Luke, go ahead, man. Let's just talk about artificial versus real bait. What do you think? Uh, man, honestly, I'm a live bait fisherman. Um, I have yet to find a, uh, an artificial that, that works better for flounder than, um, than live bait. It just it doesn't. I just haven't had it. Um, now, have I used and do I use artificial for flounder? Yes. Yes, I do. In fact, um, it, a lot of those guys, especially people that don't have boats, artificial is a great way to go because you can't haul around a live well with you. You can't haul around, you know, a bunch of live bait in a bucket and keep doing it. The best thing to do is create a, you know, a couple different pieces of artificial and get with it. On the artificial side, one of my favorite, the two favorite things that I like for artificial if I'm going to use them, especially um, a lot of times I'll go up in the Outer Banks and uh, fish off the coast. Uh, that's that's where my heart and soul is up in Hatteras and Hatteras Village. Um, late fall, going up there and bumping some grubs uh, in the first break of the surf on a on an offshore day or off wind day. Man, it's like there's there's nothing better. Those flounder are laid up and you can really lay into them well. The two pieces that I like, I like white for flounder, no matter whether it's dark water, no matter whether it's light water. I like a good um, a good curly tail grub like this, white curly tail grub, gotcha makes them. Man, it's like they're super cheap. You can buy a bag of them, and so you don't have to worry about the 8,000 bluefish that are going to eat your tails off. 
But if you can get it to the bottom and slowly, slowly move and jig that thing up and down, get a nice solid high lift, let that bait fall, let that curly tail do its grub, do its job. Don't let that thing just drag on the ground. Get that thing up and down, make it look like an injured bait fish. The next one is a good paddle tail. Uh, Zoom makes a really good paddle tail, um, and so does um, um, Down South Lures makes a really good um, uh, paddle tail grub or paddle tail uh, uh, artificial. Um, they've got some nice flake in it. It's clear. It's white. Man, these things are great. Same type of thing. Um, you want to use and on the on the jig head side, you want to use a big as big as a jig head as you can to get it to the bottom. You don't want it too heavy to where it's like as you're jigging it, it's not coming off the bottom. But at the same time, you don't want something too light where you can't get it to the bottom. So it's going to be one of those things you'll be in between a quarter ounce to a half ounce, depending on where you're at. So on the on the artificial side, that's where I would go. And, and just a little caveat on that, if you guys – if the, the water's a little murky, if it's a little, you know, where it's like you're just not getting the show that you want to on it, man, I get glitter king skirts. Like, oh, um, Blue Water Candy's got some king skirts. I will literally throw a king skirt on that's a little bit even bigger than the bait, and it gives some great flash, great stuff, man. It's a lot awesome. of movement. Are you, uh, are you putting that king skirt on your uh, above your live bait, Luke, or are you putting that on, like, uh, above a jerk shad? No, I'm, I'm doing that straight on the artificial. Uh, okay. On the Live bait, live bait's going to do all the work for you, yeah, so yeah. don't even have to worry about it. Um, now, with that being said, on the artificial, I almost never use artificial. Okay, if I can find live bait, I'm going to use it. The bait will do much better; it'll do so much more for you in the water and on the bottom that you can ever jerk and and work an artificial. It's like man, it just does. What if you? Hey, let me ask you this, Luke, real quick. Um, if you had to have uh, one preferred type of live bait, uh, what would it be? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So that's, that's a great question, and I'll, and I'll tell you what. It's like um, I would rather go. I would rather give the advice to say go with the right size versus type. Okay, if you want to catch bigger flounder, it's not so much about the type of bait; it's the size of bait. Too many people use too small of a bait. I know a lot of people out there love to use mud minnows, right? I never do. Mud minnows are too small to catch big flounder. You slave big flounder, you beat awesome. You know, mud minnows, yes, yes, of course. But I guarantee you the big, big flounder like big bait. They cannot lie. They're telling you that it's just the way they are. So that's one um, instance where it's the uh, bigger the bait, the bigger the fish. Yeah, that, that was my next question. Like, <laughs> is this true? The classic question. Bigger the bait, bigger the fish. Uh, I'm just going to do a couple camera shots Well, the shots other here. thing I was thinking, too, when you're saying you don't like mud minnows is I, I've just grown to not like mud minnows all around because if you think about mud minnows and killifish, they're both great baits, but that, that bait fish is designed to just lay on the bottom. Even the killifish dig down in the sand. And so if you throw a bait out there and it's sitting there, that that like a mullet or a menhaden is going to be up swimming around. But I feel like the, the, the uh, killifish and the mud minnows do a little bit more laying on the bottom. So not as right. much work for you. You're I, I'm a. Now, if, if, now, if you were going to ask me my three bigs, like if, if what I what I would use for live bait wherever I can get, I always go after Menhaden. I go after white mullet, and I go after striped mullet. A lot of people don't realize that we we have two different types of mullet here. 
Um, white mullet or jumping mullet are the ones that most people predominantly see. They, they breed once a year and they drove out of the inlets in the fall time. Stripe mullet or Popeye mullet actually breed multiple times of the year and you can actually find them all year round. And so it's like they're a little harder to find. They don't quite travel on the top like uh, white mullet or jumping mullet do, but they're a lot hardier than white mullet and a lot hardier than pogies. And if you can find them, man, they're like the manna, manna from heaven for sure. Luke, um, I've noticed, uh, you know, we've had some some uh, Mint Hayden, some smaller peanut pogies around where I've been fishing uh, yeah. lately. But uh, lately uh, we've had the push, rather, of some finger mullet. Now, do you mm-hmm. think do you think those flounder are going to be eat, rather have those finger mullet now that they're just coming in versus that pogie, which is a little bit weaker of a fish, you know, especially fishing them on a Carolina rig or how, whatever rig you type of use for a flounder? I mean, I, I I would like to say that they that push a finger mullet, they're going to be wanting that more than a pogie. Well, right now, all the finger mullet that I've seen, not the stripe mullet, because there's some good stripe mullet around, but uh, the finger mullet right now aren't big enough. Oh, maybe that's um, what I mean, the stripe mullet. Yeah, yeah. Now, the stripe mullet, definitely. I mean, once again, I like stripe mullet. Like, if I had to go back and forth, man, I, I hate it because I love Menhaden because they have such so much more of a flash, right? But they just don't last long on the hook. Um, now, now there's a way to hook the Menhaden to make them last longer, okay? Um, now, and we'll get into my rig here later, but, you know, when hooking a Menhaden – um, there's there's one thing not to do. You don't go from the bottom up through the top. Okay, it's gonna die off of the first cast. Now you stand from the bottom lip up through the top lip, correct? Because okay. men hate they go. Their mouths are just man. They're going. <laughs> they're Pac-Man like, apple. So you inhibit that. They're dead within like a minute. So you're so, calling Drake a liar. <laughs> okay, let's I see. <laughs> Nobody got that. It's okay. Not, I don't really I'm listen not, to Drake. I actually Googled that just to have a funny, but no one no one thought it was funny. So that's why I'm here, though, right? I'm here to keep it lively. You guys are, are doing awesome. So, hey, let's real quick, let's jump to a few questions because we got a lot of people online, so we want to make sure we're interacting with our audience. Okay. Um, we got, And you can answer these pretty quickly, and, and you guys feel free. I'm trying to get um, I'm trying to get you guys into, like, kind of the same camera here. Uh, here we go. Sorry, guys. I'm just kind of working as I go. Um, okay, that totally didn't work. But anyways, we'll figure this out. Just as, I'll be bringing these guys out. Oh, perfect. There we go. I got Luke. Or I, not Luke. I got Ben and Judson in. So here's a couple questions. Uh, one from Luke Tippett. There you go. Put your arm around him. That's, that's all that's on there. Not hey, like I'm going to try out this new feature, too. You guys probably can't see it, but I'm going to drag and drop. Not a new feature, but on our whatever. I'm just nerding out. So Luke Tippett here says, pogies or mullet? You guys can answer quickly. You don't have to take too long. I think he already answered that. Yeah, you were saying... I'm gonna answer. I'm gonna answer that with yes. Perfect. Oh yeah. So you're saying size matters, bait doesn't matter. Perfect. Size matters. We size all know matters. that. All right. All right. So, especially for the big females, I'm telling you, size matters. Awesome. So here's another one. Here it says, "I'm just gonna move on." I'm not. <laughs> here's another one from uh, Jack Knott. It says, "When fishing holes in the marsh, do y'all prefer heavier?" And or I think I meant or lighter jig heads. I'd say lighter. I don't know about you, Luke, but I like to get away I've with the lightest you can. Yeah, the lightest you can fish, but still feel like you're connecting with the bottom consistently and well. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. Once again, you you gotta have it enough where it's gonna get down if there's any type of current. 
to be able to get down to the flounder column where they where they where they live um, and where they where they eat. But at the same time, if 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 the bait, if the artificial is not able to do what it's meant to do, then it's just going to look like basically a rock being dragged on the bottom. And it's just not it's not going to, you know, uh, accentuate that strike that they're going to go off of. Yeah, so no, it's like no action. that you got to mess with a little bit. Yeah, you're killing that action, like you're saying, Ben. Yeah, with the, with the heavy. Just, you're just completely just dredging the bottom. And when was the last time you saw a mullet just stretching the bottom, just <laughs> straight, just all the time? Sand. I've never, I've, I've never <laughs> seen it. Never. I've never seen never that. Seen it. <laughs> I've never seen a mullet in the wild, so I don't know. <laughs> all right, what's our, uh, what's our right, next question? Here, here we go. Here's the next question. Here it says, um, okay, this is actually two people asked this question back to back. Are these techniques only good for inshore, or can you use them near shore and in deeper water? Or, uh, yeah, inshore or near shore, deeper water. Like, are these techniques good for everywhere? Yes or no? So, so let me let me talk about flounder, flounder uh, habit, right? Talk about what flounder do. Yeah, that's great. Um, uh, North Carolina. This is the weird thing. Okay, North Carolina is one of the only states, if not the only state, that predominantly has all three species of flounder. Okay, we have summer flounder, we have southern flounder, and we have Gulf flounder. Okay, uh, in the inlets and in the ocean, predominantly we have summer and Gulf flounder. Those flounder are a lot more aggressive. Okay, they they will actually chase a bait down. Um, a lot of the larger flounder that you guys see in, in in the pictures and in the Fisherman's Post and then you know a lot of the other magazines, you know, are the big southern flounder. Okay, they do they're not going to chase the bait down. Okay, they're pretty lazy. It's almost like a rattlesnake. They're going to shoot about the length of their body maybe to grab a bait and then they're going to stick right there. Um, offshore, there's a lot more competition. There's a lot more fish. You're going to have a lot more, you know, flounder that might chase a bait down. But inshore, it's not going to happen. So, you know, the, the characteristics of these different flounder are something to, to remember when you're going in these different areas. You know, how aggressive do I want to be? How slow should I drag it? How slow should I jig it? How fast should I jig it? Right? So, Think about those things when you're thinking about fishing from inshore to offshore or even near shore. And uh, I'll add on to that. Um, I'm Luke, you might agree, but uh see a lot more guys fishing artificials offshore on the near shore wrecks versus inshore where it seems live bait is predominantly the best uh, thing to use, especially targeting larger founder. But when you're near shore, you've got a lot more um, – Trash fish? Trash fish, yeah. I guess, yes. Pinfish, uh, sea bass, uh, lizard fish, and a lot of the guys that you see are being are most effective or using, I actually have a couple, uh, using bucktails. I got like the two-ounce bros and Ooh. different trailers Ooh. such as Z-Mans and Gulps seem to be worked better than uh, bait on the bottom, which are just maybe get picked off by lizard fish or sea bass. Would you agree? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you that I've actually found where, you know, bucktails do do pretty good offshore when you're relating to areas that are ledges, uh, intermittent rock, coquina fields, things you can actually make that jig and move it a certain distance instead of just going up and down. I find live bait and bigger baits do better on, say, uh, uh, uh Artificial, not artificial reefs, but those little reef domes, um, uh, concrete fields, tire areas, 
And that's one thing offshore, too, is you don't want to focus in on areas that have a high profile, like, say, tugs, uh, liberty ships, things like that. Yes, there are a couple fish around there, but look for those areas offshore that have really a low profile because that keeps the bait and the bait schools low. So oh, if like point there. So you're talking about like ledges and things like that, like Coquina Rock versus the ARs maybe. Big right. ships. And... Some of those ARs are good because you know they've got like reef balls and they've got tires and stuff that kind of can keep a low profile and keep that bait low. Definitely hit those areas, but hitting the really big wrecks aren't the best way to go. It's not what those fish aren't going to be laid up there like they would on even just a one foot ledge. So they um, want that bait of, tight to the bottom. Hilarious. Sorry, I, I talked over you there. I think it messed us up for a second. Cool. No, yeah, you guys are good. Um, so, hey, let's get into a couple more of these questions. I mean, everybody online is making our job really easy. Uh, we're just talking here uh, with, once again, Luke Donay, if you guys are joining us in the middle, and then uh, Judson and Ben on, on the left-hand side there. I believe it's the same as your screen. Uh, Chandler Brock or Chandler Brock Hatch, I love this guy, has the best question. Uh, what's the best fishing hole location for Red Drum in Wrightsville? I don't think anybody is going to answer that question. <laughs> that uh, is on the next show. You're going to have to tune That's going to be on the next show. show. You guys will see that in the next show. Uh, Judson is going to actually bring his uh, GPS locations and share them with you guys. Um, so there's a couple it's questions. Be a low rant seminar talking about GPS coordinates for redfish. Yeah, we're going to do. Yeah, we're actually just going to give them all away. Um, oh, you're. My, I'll tell you where mine's at. And no, I'm just. I'm just. My kayak doesn't have that. So. Um, okay. Here's a. Here's another question. Okay. This says. Uh, this person says I'm a beginner. Any advice for beginner flounder fishermen? I'll answer this question because I'm a beginner. As of two years ago, as I share with you guys, just go out there and do it. I think that's the, <laughs> uh, you know, for me as a, uh, as it's like not going to catch else. them on the couch. Just go out there and uh, do it. You're yeah, not going to catch anything on the couch. Uh, hopefully, you're learning something from this, Tori. We appreciate you jumping on. Hopefully, you're learning a lot from this. Um, so, so let's go ahead and get into how you hook stuff. How do you rig stuff, Luke? A couple questions uh, here that just says, how do you hook your men, Hayden, for flounder? Uh, also, what is your fi favorite hook style for flounder? Uh, so, a couple of those questions. I know you got a rig that maybe you'll sh maybe this is a good time to show us. Maybe not. You decide, and uh, I have it all ready to go when you are. So, maybe if you want to show yeah. some of that. Yeah. So let's let's talk about first. Let's talk about bait and how we hook it. So let's talk about the big threes. Okay. Let's talk about mullet. Let's talk about uh, menhaden. Uh, striped mullet and white mullet hook the same way. You can actually go through the bottom and go through the top. They're going to be just fine. Now, normally what I do, a lot of people go too thin. They could just go through the lips, and then all of a sudden you're throwing the bait off every time you cast it. Don't, don't be afraid to get a little skull in there. Normally what I do is I look for where the eye's at, okay? Go right for where the eye's at underneath, and then look for that and go like you're going up through where the eye's at and go out through the top. You're going to go right through the skull. It'll be a little harder to push through, but trust me, the bait's going to be just fine. Okay, and you're not going to throw it off, and you'll be you'll be fine. Now, the, the menhaden are a little different. This took me years to really kind of figure out how to properly hook a menhaden. You know, first and foremost, like I said, do not go from bottom to top. It'll be dead by the second cap. Now, what I used to do, because I use a modified circle hook instead of a tail hook, one of the problems with using that and going through the bridle, and when we talk about the bridle, we talk about the nostril or right in front of the eye, which is a, a great little spot because it's soft tissue in between, and it just grabs that skull just perfect. 
Well, when you use a circle or modified circle hook, one of the problems you have is when that fish reverses its its direction at any good given time, you have the chance for that hook to hook itself back into the bait. So all of a sudden, you don't have an exposed barb, and all of a you know, and you can have a flounder come up and slam that bait, but you have no exposed barb, and then all of a sudden you pull it right back out of its mouth. So on the pogie side, this is what I found to be the best way to do it. On the lower jaw of the pogie, you will see a bone. You'll see a wide open, solid scale looking style bone. Go in through the side, in through the side, go up through the top and out the top. That way the fish is able to still breathe. That hook can't go back upon itself and it'll always have an exposed barb. It's the best way I found for the pogies on the hook side. Uh, and is that the best way? So someone asked right after that, you know, what's the best way to hook them to keep them alive the longest? I guess so they get the most action out of them. Is that is that what you're talking about right there? Yeah, that would answer the question. They'll last a lot longer doing that than they will through the bridle because if it goes back and it hooks on itself, where does it go? Right into the gill plate, and it goes right into the gills, and it kills them anyway right there. So if you come in through the side and then up through the top. Then all of a sudden they can breathe just fine, and that hook can't turn around on itself. That's awesome. pretty awesome. Definitely never rigged a pogie like that myself. Yeah, that's very interesting. You got any more questions on there? All right, let me see if I have any Do more. Do you like questions. a um, different hook between your? Uh, figured you don't between your pogies and your mullet, Luke. No, I use I use the same. I predominantly go with a four or five hot. Um, you is always want to. Is that a wide bend hook? Yeah. So. See if I can't. I like it. it I like it. Digging to the tackle box. I like it. <laughs> right here. All right. So you can see right here that this, you can see it. It kind of looks like a mix between a kale hook and a circle hook. Is that okay? Eagle claw, you're showing? I can't eagle see. claw, circle C. Okay. Circle C, four and five off. Um, you want to use the size hook that is right for your bait, not for the type of fish that you're fishing for. You want that fish to be able to move as natural as it can in the water without feeling the hook, but at the same time, you don't want it to be small enough to where that barb is not exposed. Um, one of the biggest misconceptions that, that a lot of people have, and I've kind of go in on this on the rig side, is that I'm sure a lot of people out there have heard that flounders scale their baits before they eat them, okay? Um I do not find this to be true. I do not find this to be accurate, and I'll tell you why. One, there's no reason a flounder is going to mess with a bait in its mouth and mull it around and scale it before it eats it with the thought that that bait might get away from it. Okay, that's one. Second, flounder don't have opposable thumbs, so they're not going to eat it like a corn cob. Okay? <laughs> um, this just doesn't – none of it makes any sense, and I can tell you – Back when I used to fillet up big flounder, I don't do it anymore because they're big breeding females. But when I did, many of the baits that I took out, I had every single bit of scales to them. Okay, there's no reason for them. There's no other fish out there that does it, so there's no reason why the flounder should do it either. So I'm just telling you that that doesn't. But I'll tell you why this, what I believe, why this came about. Most people use kale hooks for flounder fishing. Okay. But kale hooks way back when 
were made for cut bait. They were made for strip squid and uh, strip mullet, strip things that you're using dead baits that you're dragging on the bottom. And it's great because it, it has an exposed barb. It has a squish bend that fits in a flounder's mouth. It actually works really well for flounder when you're using strip or cut bait. But when you use live bait, the problem is that little type, that little short bend on a kale hook if you put up say, through a mullet, you go through the bottom and then through the top. That what happens is that flounder pounces on it, and then you feel that pump. You pull it out. Well, it has no exposed barb, and that flounder has an alligator-type snap jaw, and it's going to sit there and rake. I'm sure a lot of people out there have brought their baits up and they got teeth marks and scrape marks all the way down it with no scales. And they're like, oh, the flounder was eating it. It was scaling its bait. No, the problem was you had no exposed barb and you just pull it out of its stomach slash mouth. So by going with this modified circle C hook, you actually you don't even have to set the hook. All you got to do is just start reeling. There's no counting. There's no anything. This right here will save you tons of agony and give you a lot more hook that's and a lot more uh fish in the boat so i'm guessing you go against the uh the old time saying of uh old timer taking out a cigarette and smoking it before you set the hook <laughs> yeah and two reasons why one once again it's like i don't want that flounder to, to swallow the hook especially if it's undersized or if it's really oversized yeah i want to be able to, to properly hook set that fish in the mouth so if you know, if, if it's in the area where I want to keep the fish, I can keep it. But if I can let it go, I know it's got a great success rate of getting it away and living. So, um, so literally, if you feel the thump on this rig, all you got to do is start reeling. There's no counting. There's no counting. And that's where that larger hook um, comes into play. You got that exposed bar, like you said. Yeah. So it's like, and that's what, that's the problem is on the kale hooks with live bait, if you go bottom to the top that exposed barb is not exposed it's laying straight on top of the bait and you're pulling it out of the mouth every time so yeah awesome. in my humble that's some good information there for sure yeah i mean that's some I, and i think our viewers are uh, really digging that info as well um i had a couple of questions here so mark said hey thanks for all this great info i need all the help that i can get question uh, this is kind of going back to artificial does scent on gulp make a big difference or is color and action really the key overall color and action all day long and twice on sunday all day long hey. and twice on sunday perfect but i i gotta say scent can never hurt you know it's a why not throw everything at it if you've got it that's kind of my my way of looking I, at it. I, I always think especially if you got them when they're being kind of um not as aggressive as they normally would be I think maybe sometimes that scent definitely helps it if they're going to bite it to hold on a little bit longer versus just kind of half-assing it. Okay. Yeah, good questions. Good questions. Uh, Here's another quick question. Unless you have some questions out there, Judson, I'll just keep uh, rolling on. Oh, roll with that one, and then we'll uh, we'll jump on and go with some more of these questions. Okay, cool. Yeah, so let's go ahead, and I'm going to bring up a multi-screen again. Guys, you have to forgive me. I'm still learning this software, uh, still just – yeah, still doing it. So I'm like all over the place here, but I'm sure it's looking great. Oh yeah, no, not really. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it's looking good. It's looking good. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, best types of weights to fish inshore: flat weights or barrels to let the current move the bait. And I'll ask Luke too. Uh, add on to that. Um, 
as far as size too. I think that's important for people to know too, because definitely size and weight. No, definitely. Uh, just as we were talking about with jig heads, it's the same thing. You want the weight just heavy enough to get it to the bottom, but you don't want it so heavy where it's dragging the bait through the mud. A lot of times, especially with flounder, they, they hang in areas where it might have a big silt content. So if you're using a heavy weight, that weight will go through a foot of silt. And then all of a sudden, as you're trying to jig, you're not jigging your bait. You're just literally dragging it through the silt. Right. I mean, if you guys have found where you brought a bait up and its whole mouth is full silt, you're using too heavy of a weight. And once again, it, and that's an easy way to figure it out because silt would be washed away if the current was strong enough. Okay, if the current's not strong enough, then there's not a lot of current. So you don't need a lot of weight to throw it down there. And I know sometimes it may be a pain in the butt to sit there and change weights out all the time. But if you know the areas that you're fishing, you'll automatically know when you go there. So just use the size weight that's just heavy enough to get that bait down there and have that bait look like an injured bait fish without it look like it's literally in a ball and chain being dragged across yeah. the bottom. That's what we were talking about earlier. You don't, don't want to be dredging the bottom. Yeah, Definitely. that's don't awesome. That's great information. <laughs> great information. Well, here's one, one last question. Uh, it says, and this is kind of uh, talking about uh, coverage and where do you find flounder? So do you find more flounder on ledges, reefs, uh, or wrecks offshore? Uh, Jordan says I've been catching flounder inshore all my life, but I want to try to jig for uh, for some offshore. So, mm -hmm. so, so what's the best place? I guess if I guess he's looking to go and do a little more offshore fishing. What would you recommend? Uh, is that something that you do as well, or you stick mainly inshore, or what? What's that look like? I, I definitely do near shore. In fact, uh, if actually predominantly if people are really looking to meet up and i say that to me you know if they're really looking to stock the cooler um the best thing to do is to go offshore because if you find normally if you find one fish you're going to find more than one fish a lot of times they'll lay up they'll raft up offshore a lot more uh than they will inshore um when we fish inshore and we look for big flounder inshore they literally a lot of times are loners. We're literally almost sight fishing for flounder because we know the structure that we're hitting. We know where there might be a possible flounder and we hit that spot and then move on. And so whereas offshore, if you're hitting a ledge or if you're hitting reef balls or if you're hitting something like that, once you find one, don't stop. There's more sitting around. It. Very rarely do I sit and find one flounder and don't find another. And so, you know, definitely offshore is definitely one of those things where you can find more flounder offshore. Now, the problem is you won't necessarily find the quality of flounder like you will find inshore. Um, you, know, the, you know, you can it's amazing when you go offshore, you can get a 25, 26 inch fish where inshore that thing would be, you know, every bit of six, seven pounds. But you go offshore and that'd be four to five pounds. It's there a lot of times they're potato chips out there because the competition is so strong that they don't just fatten up like they do do on the inshore waters. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things that it's, I can't tell you how many times where that clear water, all of a sudden you bring in this big old fat flat and you're like, Oh my God, that thing's like eight pounds. And you're like, wait a minute, this thing's a little light, you know? Yeah. So, but, but definitely offshore is definitely a good way to go. If you really kind of want to do it, like I said, just focus in on that low line structure and you'll be good. I can attest to that too. Uh, we've been weighing a lot of flounder lately in the past three to four weeks, but have all been coming offshore. And like Luke said, all kind of potato chips, some nicer ones. Have been citation fish, but nothing over six pounds. All about that five, five and a half. And those guys jigging bucktails and 
different trailers such as Z-Man, Jerk Shads, and uh, uh, Gulp Shrimp. But just like Luke said, yeah, that cookie cutter was ensure they'd be a little fatter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's like you're saying, totally that competition out there. There's just so – I mean, you can see it on your graph when you're sitting over a wreck. There's just so much more down there that's going to eat eat the bait before the flounder does, but uh, but lots of flounder out there as well. So, Right, and, and one more little tip. If you go offshore and you use live bait, which I do once again predominantly, bring bigger baits. Bring baits that you don't think that they would eat. That gets rid of a lot of the smaller sea bass fisher toads. And believe it or not, you'll be amazed what a, even a small flounder will try to fit in its mouth. Um, so it's like, don't be afraid to bring bigger baits offshore when you go offshore. Don't bring small baits because it'll never make it to the bottom. Well, what would you say is is too big of a bait for a flounder? Mm. Is there is there is there a bait that's too big? <laughs> normally, normally I look at when I when I sit there and I fish inshore, I'm I'm in the four to six inch range. Okay. Um, you know, when I'm offshore, I'm like six to eight inch range. Wow, cool. That's what people don't realize that flounders, even though they're a flat side fish, that mouth opens up. They've got a huge mouth. Yeah. They can fit a lot, uh, a big bait in there. Yeah. I dig it. This is some good stuff, you guys. Yeah, very good information. Um, do you got any more pressing questions up there? Or should I jump back into this? Um, no, man. We just had, we had one more person just ask, uh, when are the flounder going to push inshore really thick? That's uh, kind of what I, I think know. Wednesday? Wednesday. They're going to be here on Wednesday at noon. Uh, so just get your fishing rod ready. No, that is a good question, though. That's a great question. And, and Luke was – I was hanging out with Luke the other day, and he was kind of talking about that. Was that one yeah. you? Yeah, that was you. <laughs> yeah, we were talking flounder. Over, and no, man, we're, I mean, Lord knows we're always talking flounder. It's awesome. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you, it's uh, – you know, people wonder, like, when do the flounder come in? Now, you got to realize that – once again, the fact that we have all three species of flounder, they have different uh, they have different um, habits on, on when they breed, when they go offshore, how far offshore they go, how south do they go, how north do they go, but when do they come in? Now, predominantly, I normally go off of the you know Paralichthys lethostigma. Okay, that's the southern flounder. Okay, she is what I target. She is the girl that I go after. So um, when they when they that's when they girl. go they breed they start leaving about mid to late november and they start coming back in late march into april but they really don't get active even though you see them and you'll see a lot of the giggers out there you'll see them sticking fish throughout the spring but nobody's really catching them hook and line even when there's bait out there um and it's you know i find i found it where it's not man, i gotta say it's not even about temperature because i've had it where water temp's been great it's been a lot warmer earlier and they're still not active i've had it where it's like you know it's been really cool later and they're still not active um i really think that they just they wait for bait runs they kind of come in they get comfortable once again these fish go upwards of 60 miles offshore to breed so i think they come back in they just kind of want to feel their element not be so stressed out and then they start working. So um, normally I, uh, an old shrimp boat captain told me this, and I got to say that it's, man, it's kind of held true to, to, you know, throughout time. They say the first full moon in May is normally when fish start biting, normally when the flounders start biting well. Um, you'll kind of catch one here, one there. Normally they're smaller, immature females and males. And uh, but really, when the fish really start biting, they talk about the second or the first full moon in May. So 
you, Take that to the bank. I'm blaming it on the shrimp fisherman. Do you, <laughs> even though it's what shrimp fisherman said, do you think that's um, based on water temperature? Do you think that's more that's when you're, you get your push of bait in? Or do you think that they just know that's when they're supposed to be inside? Moon phase, maybe. Yeah, just the moon. They just want to be in there. Yeah, once again, it's strange. You know, I know yeah. a lot of fish, when you talk about drunk, you talk about trout, you talk about, you know, they they feel a lot more atmospheric pressure, um, especially when, you know, they use their air bladders, correct, um, to, to figure out go high, go low, figuring out all of that. Well, on flounder, guess what? Flounder don't have air bladders. They have a different type of sensory organism when they're, you know, uh, when they're talking about trying to figure out how they do it. Now, where the, what is that pattern, how it's done? And I haven't figured that out yet. I don't think very few people have. That's the problem. It's trying to, you know, a, a good buddy of mine, we were out flounder fishing yesterday. You know, the salinity has been so great north of the river. We were really going into some of our northern spots. We haven't been able to hit for years because we've had so much fresh water. And uh, but with the drought, we've been able to get up really north. But he brought up a really good point. He said, you know, if you ever try to really pattern flounder, wasting your time. The best thing to do is to sit there and just get on the water. I would say one of the best tips I can give anybody is T-O-W, time on the water. Yeah. If you can get on the water and you can figure out a different area, a certain area that the fish are at, hit that area. Don't worry about going north. Don't worry about going south. If you can pick up a few fish in a certain area, work those areas, the fish will be there. Yeah, that's that's yeah. such good information. Such good information. I, I, so I have a, So here's a really good question. I mean, we're, you know, you guys are boat guys. We're all talking boats um, and you're, you're out on the water and you got that luxury. Uh, but this person says, Hey, you know, like kind of like, what about me? What about, what about surf fishing? Like, is there any yep. tips or tricks like but, for flounder there that you, got, throw, you guys surf fish? Uh, throw something in? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, go for definitely. it. When I first moved here, um, I, I didn't have access to a boat, didn't have any, uh, didn't know anybody with a boat. So I did a lot of foot fishing. Now he has five uh, boats. Foot fishing. No, no. <laughs> foot, fishing. foot fishing. I like it. And uh, fishing for feet. Right? Catch, start catching some flounder. One of my favorite tactics, especially later on in the summer, is fishing on the pier. Uh, a lot of people think that uh, fishing on the pier you got to throw out, throw deep. But uh, I found out that you can catch flounder super easy off the pier, and a lot of guys don't know how. And whether you're using artificials or uh, live bait, those flounder like to, it's a structure. And flounder, like a lot of other fish, like to stick to the the structure is an ambush point it holds bait they can use it as ambush point but pitching under that pier with a gulp or with a live bait mud minnow or as luke said his favorites are pogies or if you can get finger mullet or striped mullet or white mullet (laughs) (laughs) all types of mullets and pitch it under there then you that's just that's a good way to do it on foot or around the inlets around the rock jetty i had great success around the north end of mason's throwing gulp but just, You've done pretty good walking some of the banks too, fishing docks too, right? Uh, not as much. Just, for, more for the redfish. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I, like I said, just finding those guys under the pier—that's that, a good tactic if you're on foot. Okay. Totally, totally agree on that. I mean, uh, you know, I I didn't have a boat my whole life. Lord knows it. You know, I, I had my first boat not what eight years ago, and so but before that, man, I was footing it. You know, um, definitely through it. I will double down on the uh, uh, on the fish in the pilings on the pier, man. If you can get in between the two breaks where that little dip is, those flounder lay right in around that structure. So, you know, throw some artificial, throw some live bait, man, throw some strip, cut bait, whatever. It's like, man, there's definitely flounder to be had on that structure for sure. 
All right, awesome. Well, you know, let's do uh, just a real quick. I, I just want to. I know we got some questions lined up for you, but always just trying to you know take care of our viewers, make sure they're getting their questions answered as well. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the tide. What does that look like? Tide rising, tide falling. Um, you know, people are saying, what's the best tide for flounder in particular? Let's throw in their time of day if that if that means. Yeah, much time to of day, you. tide, any of that info that you can share with us, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So um, normally, I like an outgoing tide when I'm inshore. Main reason being, it flushes the bait out of the grass. It flushes the bait out of the oyster beds. Once again, flounder is not one of those fish that can actually go in during a high tide. It's got to sit there and it's got to wait for the proper time to ambush a bait. Um, so, like, I love an outgoing tide, but honestly, I like current more than anything. If you have flowing water, you have moving water. And what a lot of people don't realize, too, the reason I say that is because flounder do not swim in the water column. And so, therefore, they cannot push oxygen over their gills. They are sitting in one spot. So they have to have current to be going over their gills to be able to uh, process that oxygen. So with that being said, they're going to be more active because they're going to have more oxygen in their system. So I love, but with that being said, especially inshore, I like an outgoing tide from about mid-high to low on an outgoing side because it's flushing bait out. Look for those cho choke points. I would say WWFD, man, what would flounder do? Okay, so with that being said, it's like you gotta realize, once again, flounder's not gonna chase a bait down, especially inshore. It's gotta wait for that bait and that water to get down where it's gonna have the best chance to hit. And time of day, would you say that really matters much? I know some guys that I've talked to about, I'm really, I've kind of had that near shore flounder fishing boat too. And it seems yeah. like early mornings, maybe people get a few more bites. Does that really seem to matter to you or not really? You know, honestly, I, I do have to agree with it. Um, you know, I think it's because the water's a little bit cooler. I don't think there's, you know, obviously there's not a lot of boat traffic. Um, I, you know, I, a lot of times I get my biggest fish in the morning. I do. It's like I can't really put a finger on why, but I guess it I just do. boils down to all. It seems like all fishing, any species, freshwater, saltwater, morning time is yeah. maybe a little bit better. Who knows why? But Luke, I got a, a ran to the bathroom. I don't know if you addressed this or not. If you did, then we can move on. But uh, <laughs> what about a higher tide? You know, when you got that water in the grass um, starting to get up there, do you find just something else to do? Take a break? Or is no, that something you you've got some tips oddly, on? Oddly enough, I know this. I know this sounds crazy, but you would think that the higher tide uh, it gets, the the closer to the bank that the flounder get. Believe it or not, the higher tide it gets, I actually go deeper. Um, they they literally will retreat back into deeper water at a higher tide. Um, I find where once that tide starts going out and that. Wait, and that water starts going out. They know it, and so they flush up to the banks, and then that's when they get close. Okay, so All as soon as that tide moves up or starts falling back, that's when they move up versus when it's already there. That actually right. makes a lot of sense. Kind of like the opposite of what you'd think for a redfish. Right, right. You know, because the redfish are going to move. They're going to be in the grass, you know, on the grass if not in it. Right. Whereas 
they're going to retreat down to the bottom. They know, hey, man, this isn't my game. I'm going to wait it out, or they're going to go down to maybe try to get something else that might be in the mud or the sand at a deeper level. But they know that once that water starts moving, they're going to follow that current up into their gills and be on a flat plate. I tell you, all the double-digit flounder that I've caught, I've caught less notice, than a foot. Notice he said all the double-digit. <laughs> I've huh? never caught a double-digit flounder, have you? <clears throat> no, I'm not. Billy, you've caught like 20. I mean, I, you know, I'm pretty. I'm trying to let you guys have your time here talking about flounder. Uh, I'm going to have to have a whole, my own episode. Uh, you know, I've been flounder fishing dozens of times, so I know what I'm talking so about. So say that one more time, Luke. All the all the double-digit flounder, what? I interrupted you there. All the double-digit flounder that I've got, I've gotten less than six inches of water. But with that caveat being said, they have had a deep water access right near them or next to them. So the you know, you got to think that these fish learn. They learn, why would I want to chase uh, a bait in a big water column in the six-foot water column when I can chase bait in a one-foot water column? But at the same time, they've got to have safety, they've got to have oxygen, and they have to have temperature. So it's like having deep water and current nearby is definitely a good thing to find. So if you guys can sit there and find, you know, places where you have current and you have a ledge that you can find that has deep water access nearby – and hit it up, especially if there's any type of choke point involved. Definitely. I think me and Ben have talked about this a lot too, especially doing some freshwater trout fishing. But the bigger the fish, the less they're going to want to work for food. You know, they want to be is they want to eat with as little uh, energy spent as possible. And I think that's kind of playing true with the flounders as you're explaining it. Yeah, I mean, it's like when you're at the restaurant, you don't go to the waitress to get your food she brings it right to you yeah, so you just it's like that i think that's any fish and that goes back to what luke was talking about earlier that's the size of the bait they don't want to chase around a bunch of small fish they want to eat once yeah for a couple hours or whether a day or whatever they yeah so you just gotta big. bring it right to them find their habitat bring it right to them I like just it. like at cracker right. barrel i like it, it we're not the only barrel. out there that likes flounder so it's like they're once again they're not an agile fish they're not a a a fish that moves around easily, they're made to be an ambush predator. They're made to be cover and concealed until that bait comes by. They're going to hit it and then stop. They're, they don't hit that bait and then run. And this is the next tip. The only reason that they do hit it and run is that there's another predator nearby. So a quick little tip. If you guys throw a bait out there and you have a flounder, automatically pick it up and run with it. Throw another bait out there. There's a bigger flounder or bigger predator nearby. I learned this from a guy who does aquaculture. They had big fat pools where they had all the flounder in it, and they have different sizes. And as they would throw bait in these pools, the smaller flounder would come up and grab it from the larger flounder and go in their corner. So it's a natural, it's a natural habitual thing. The bigger flounder is like, I have it, whatever, you know. But it's like sit there and throw a bait out. And it hits it and it runs to go to a different location. A lot of time, there's a bigger flounder sitting right in that same spot. So throw it right all back in there. That's that's good stuff right there. Um, let's jump into. Here's a question I had that um, you know is going to be important to some people, other people maybe not. But what what would you say your your rod and reel breakdown would be for flounder fishing? Like, do you have a specific you know weight rod that you like and a specific reel? Um, and, and I want to talk – I want Ben to weigh in on this as well, being at the tackle shop and selling a lot of rods and reels to people. So um, yeah. what do you all think? Definitely, man. I You know, I like um, I like a 7-foot and 7-foot rod. Um, I like uh, – I use 30-pound braid, 
Okay. Uh, main reason is that for the fish, it's because we're always fishing structure. Okay. We're pulling, we're pulling baits and rigs and all sorts of things off of structure. So it's not about the fish. It's be able to, it's about fishing the areas that, that, uh, need to for those big females. Now, and I'll say this also, if you're not losing rigs, you're in the wrong spot. Okay. It's like, <laughs> structure you want to lose rigs that's where the big girls are now like on my rod side um i have one here i just poked a hole in the roof so <laughs> no warranty man this right here this is this is 7-2 uh this is a land plank i build my own rods um and uh it's it's great it's a 10 20 pound uh 10 20 pound line um fast action it's uh three quarter to ounce and a half um, and, and it's, it sounds a bit heavy, but I promise you that little bit of backbone does, does a whole lot. It's a, it's a four and a half tip to, um, a 5.1, butt. so you definitely have the flexibility on the tip to be able to feel that flounder bite. But at the same time, you can really pull it off some structure if you need to. Um, on the real side, I tell you, I've gone back and forth for years, you know, for years I was Shimano, I was pen, I was Shimano, I was pen. Pen, you know, pen would corrode, Shimano would rust. Well, I'll tell you, the last three years I've gone with these Dawa BGs, and, man, I have had no problems. Um, yeah. I've, a, a, a BG 4000 on this right here is nothing but awesome. It has been awesome. I would, so, yeah, I've switched yeah. a lot of my reels over to the BGs as well. And, and they, I'll, they uh, I'll attest to that. Um, in the past two or three years, uh, when the BGs came out, that has been our best-selling reel in tackle shop. It's for the price point it is and the way it feels, the smoothness of it. Um, it's right there as far as price point goes with the battle. It's a pin battle, but it is a ten-time better of a reel. It has been one of my favorites, and obviously Luke likes it. I know Judd has a couple. So i got a bunch. I'll agree with Yeah, you guys sold Luke. me one. I treat it like trash, and it still does good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't take very good care of my stuff either. And I didn't say that if I ever try to sell you in my used gear, but those BGs have have held up extremely well. Um, you know, getting hosed down very little. Um, I, I really like them. I've got a bunch of bigger BGs all the way down to you know some real real little guys. So, but uh, as as far as uh, I go, um, I know a lot of guys too. As far as selling guys at finer fish. Uh, common thing is uh, luke sounds like he's a spinning reel guy but i like a bait caster i like a low profile bait caster uh, as well i do use a couple round style bait casters that low profile fits a little better in my hand um i've grown to like a little bit more fast pace um trolling motor pitching banks so as far as finer vision goes so i do like a low profile bait caster so that i can uh reel up pitch back out pretty quick and i, I like a shimano tranks reel uh, i've started using those they are a Shimano baitcaster, obviously, that has been geared and manufactured for saltwater. It's got a high gear. It's got a good drag. Um, I've been, been using really that tranks you sold me and I, the beach. Yeah, and uh, like Luke said, I like a 30-pound braid, too. And uh, same as him, a, a medium-heavy 8-17 to 20-pound rod, uh, fast action with a little lighter tip, but a heavy backbone to get those flounders off the, uh, off the bottom, especially like what Luke's saying, if he's fishing some heavier structure. You want a heavy rod to get those fish out of there. And Definitely. then uh, I'll ask Luke this. If you're fishing heavier structure, I mean, what uh, as far as what pound leader do you use? Yeah, so so um, I, it's probably a good time to bring up that, that rig shot. Um, yeah. Uh, so basically, you know, I use a typical Carolina rig, okay? Well, it's a little atypical. Um, I kind of 
me kind of years to, to figure this out. Um, but sorry, I, I, sorry to interrupt you. You want me to go ahead and bring up your diagram that you sent me? You want me to go ahead and put that up? Go for it. Sure. Here we go. All right. So this is this is what I do. I do what I call a 30-30-20. Okay. I use 30-pound braid. I use 30-pound slide leader, and I'll go get into that and do a second. And then I use 20-pound rig leader. Okay, main reason being is once again your fishing structure. So the last thing you want to do is lose your whole rig. So what happens is if that hook gets caught, you break it off, you're just breaking your hook off. So it's like so then you just tie a brand new rig on it. Now people ask what that slide leader is all about. Well, I use about five to six foot of slide leader. Main reason being is when you're using a Carolina rig, you want that weight to be able to slide easy. The problem with having it straight on braid is a lot of times that braid wraps around that egg sinker and doesn't allow that uh, egg sinker to slide evenly. Because I guess we should probably go talk about literally what a Carolina rig is and what it's meant to do. A Carolina rig is meant for that bait to get to the bottom, for a fish to be able to grab it and take it, yet not feel the weight. So if you have it where you do not have that slide leader, then a lot of times that braid will wrap around it. And then when that fish takes that bait, it'll start pulling on the weight and then all of a sudden let it go. So having that slide leader is going to do you a big service on that front. Now, from 30 to 30, I do a uni to uni on my braid to slide leader. Okay, I do a Palomar knot going to my rig which is, uh, which is, you know, a spro type swivel, um, 80 pound swivel. Um, once again, main reason, because you're pulling it off stuff, you can use smaller, but honestly, you got to make sure you have a big enough swivel so that weight doesn't get stuck on it. Um, and I use a, I, that's why I put a bead in the middle of, uh, in between the weight and the swivel. Now on the rig side, when we're talking about that 20 pound and we're going to our rig style, I like the Usuri pink. Uh, for the main reason, not because it's Usuri or it's pink or it's special, but believe it or not, Usuri fluorocarbon is a thinner diameter than most fluorocarbons. Um, so it actually will give you a little less profile than the other, uh, uh, the other uh, fluorocarbons. Now, when we talk about the action end, let's talk about the action end on the, like I said earlier, where uh, normally I use four to five off depending on the size of the bait. Pretty much all year round, I'm using the four-op. Uh, late in the season or whether I'm going offshore, we're, we're going to the five-op because we're using bigger baits. Now, with, with the eagle claw hook, with this, you can see that I snell this hook, but you can see that it's not a snelled hook. And with, what I say about that is normally when you have a snelled hook, that eye is offset, Okay. That is so you can sit there and pull that, and that hook pulls straight. Well, when flounder fishing, you don't want to pull the hook straight. You want to pull it sideways. So if you go in inside the bend, inside, and then you snell it, what happens is – I hope you guys can see this. When the fish grabs it, and then all of a sudden you have it, what happens that hook goes completely sideways when you put pressure on it. So it doesn't go in its gullet, it goes right in the side of the mouth. So by, by snelling a non-snelled hook, you have a better chance to hook set in the side of the mouth 
instead of the stomach or even worse, the top side of the head that has no soft tissue. And you're setting so that, that hook, and you're setting that hook immediately. I, I think I heard you teaching a fishing school this. Is that right? You feel the thump, start reeling. And it's not you don't want a Jimmy Houston. It once again, it's a uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a straight you know modified circle. So it's not meant to hook set. You know, right. it's made to just start reel. Once you feel that tension, go ahead and lift it up. Yep, he's on there. Reel down, lift up, and start reeling. And she's on there. You just broke the heart of every bass fisherman. Can I uh, can I add on to that real quick? Yeah, go for sure. It, um, Luke mentioned his slide leader above his Carolina rig, and uh, not the. Another important thing about that is braid is great. I mean, 90% of the fishermen have gone to braid. But the one downfall about braid is it is not nearly abrasion uh, resistant as fluorocarbon or mono, especially like Luke has said, he's fishing around heavy structure with those big flounders. Uh, braid, a lot of tension on it. If it even touches a rock, oyster, you're cut off. But if you're, yep. hit, hit, you're fitting, fishing a heavier 30-pound fluorocarbon leader or mono, uh, you've definitely got more of a chance. So just adding that in there too so yep tons of good information guys tons of good information um i just want to let's see here's one more question online and we've been going for about an hour and 16 ish minutes uh just appreciate all the all the good information all the people that are online and don't forget we're actually going to be giving away a pack from uh from I strike. They are hooking us up with uh, a value over 60 bucks worth of jig heads and some stickers. And so we're going to be giving that away at the end of the show. Also, we have a catch of the week that we are going to be giving uh, away uh, as well. We're going to be giving something to, to them as well. So um, yeah, I say we do. Let's do the, like one one or two more questions. Yeah, let's do one or two more that. questions. Can I and ask, we'll, uh, we'll kind of and start wrapping Also, up. let's give Ben and, and Luke a chance to say yeah, anything else. Yeah, we'll give you guys. So we'll ask you a couple more questions here, and then we will – uh, kind of give some closing thoughts and, and go that way. Does that sound good to everybody? I just want to yes. um, back up on Luke's rig. I wanted to ask oh, yeah. what his opinion as far as um, his opinion is if flounder or leader shy or not. No. Um, you know, honestly, you know, because especially a lot of times I'm fishing, uh, you know, river water, uh, which isn't the clearest in the world anyway, but it, but it can be even the darkest water. I always say you want water that looks like coffee, not like a latte. And, uh, you know, there, you know, you want that nice dark coffee color. But at the same time, once again, flounder are opportunistic hunters, man. Um, they're, they're really, honestly, they're not that picky. As hard as they are to fish for, they're really not that picky. Um, it's just, it's, it's about being at, at the right spot at the right time and being able to work the bait correctly so they can, so they can hit it and not give up their spot. So, um, you, you know, I try to be and try to make it where it's as, as seamless as possible. But, um, but man, I remember as a kid using wire leader in the surf, catching flounder left and right, you know? Um, so it's, you know, I always try to make it as, you know, as incognito as possible, but at the same time, you know, I wouldn't focus too much on it. Um, I, you know, it's, and, but, but once again, I'm fishing Carolina beach in the river, you guys up there toward Riceville beach, man, you guys got that Caribbean water up there. So <laughs> like, man, we love it. Yeah. No, I'm with you too. I, I, I like fishing that, that dirty water too had a guy the other day talking to me at the tackle shop. I told him to use 20 or 25 pound leader. And he said, man, that's, that's pretty heavy. So I yeah. more wanted to prove a point. <laughs> Hopefully that guy's listening. He jerk. <laughs> Hopefully that guy's watching. 
Yeah, well, for sure. What's sure. our? Uh, is there anything else, Ben and Luke, that y'all y'all feel like y'all want to leave people with? And then we're going to go over these. Or should we do the questions first? You think? Uh, man, I mean, what kind of? Yeah, I'd ask. Let's ask like maybe one or two more questions, okay. and then uh, then we'll kind of give you guys some closing thoughts. And also want to spend you know just a few minutes here uh, talking about Luke's uh, spot on charters. Make sure people know how to get in touch with him. Because uh, man, I I think everybody's like i'm gonna go flounder fishing with this guy <laughs> yeah. Got a lot of people uh, so, hit me up so yeah and all the extra trips that you have we'll just push them over to uh hopefully from the show here i so. don't know i'm still I'm, I'm i'm learning so yeah he could go with you he can be your you can mentor him he, he's just looking for all kinds of mentors here. if ben won't be my mentor ben, ben won't be his mentor well so go ahead man ask a couple more questions here you guys are on screen so uh let's let's ask a couple questions and we'll wrap we'll start wrapping this interview Wait, you section want the up? questions i had or the questions that people are sending in uh, man, okay, yeah. So here's another question. Let's uh, do the ones people have sent in because we're pretty. We've tapped these out. Oh, cool. Good. So we're already done with those questions. So yeah, we got maybe one more question here. Uh, somebody, well, actually, somebody have a request: uh, pier fishing and shark catching for the next live video. So I, mean, I like it. Sure, why not? I like, love sharks. I, I love sharks. Uh, so let's <laughs> see. Here's our next question. Uh, Brian Sunday asked this question. Uh, Luke, why do you specify bright colors and pink? Is there any particular reason? Bright colors and pink. I think this, uh, he mentioned this like a while back there, so I, I don't know exactly if we're so talking about. Maybe that um, Yuzuri pink leader he was talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's what you're maybe. talking about. Yeah, the Yuzuri pink Or maybe, it, it might be talking about the artificial baits he's using, the bright color artificial baits. Maybe so. I know he's talking yeah. about the pink earlier. Uh, so either way of it, normally, once again, um, I use almost predominantly white for flounder. Um, on artificial. Oh, he's talking about leader. He just specified leader. Oh, okay. Um, once, once again, I've, I've been going, uh, interesting thing on, on the, uh, on the Uzuri, just, just know that, um, with that little, the reason that Uzuri has that pink isn't because they got it cheap from China. Um, it's, it literally, you know, the first color that disappears in the water spectrum as it goes down into the water, red and pink is the first color that disappears. So it's like, and then through the color spectrum, as it goes down, we'll start to neutralize as well. So that's why they go with pink on that front. So, Hey, at least that's what they tell me. It sounded good, man. And I've used it and it's worked. So it's like, right. I'll take it. you take it hook line. And I think sinker. one of those, the biggest right. uh, aspects of fishing <laughs> is using what you're confident in. Definitely. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome, guys. Well, well, hey, uh, thank you guys so much, first of all, just for being on the very first episode of Eastern Current, talking about flounder fishing. Uh, man, I've just had a great time. Hope you guys have. Hope everyone that is uh, you know, viewing us online here has had a good time. We worked diligently to put all the tech together. Sure, we probably still got a little audio issues and uh, some things like that, and maybe trouble hearing each other in the studio. I know uh, I was talking and Ben would start talking, and I'm like, oh, wait, someone's <laughs> behind the light talking. Uh, so we'll get all that stuff figured out. But, yeah, man, thanks thanks so much for, for coming on. Any closing thoughts? Uh, ben, you got any closing thoughts as far as flounder fishing? Um, any, any of that type of stuff? Man, I don't. I mean, Luke's definitely covered all. Awesome. Luke, you got any closing thoughts for us? Anything I do. Might? Okay. And this is this is something that I, I I try to tell people a lot because this is this is the most important thing. You know, flounder fishing literally can be one of the most frustrating uh, fishing in the that there is out there. Yes, um, it can. I can tell you how many times where me myself I've gone out you know ten fifteen times and just can't find a fish. Do not get discouraged. 
because trust me, every time you go out, you learn something. So it's like take that with you. Take your own – like take what I'm saying. Take what these other guys are saying and put it into your arsenal and take what you take when you guys go outside and put it into your own tackle box and you guys go out and catch that big fatty flatty. For sure. That big fatty flat. That adds like on to it. what you were talking about earlier. Time on the water is most important of anything. I think that, right. that goes along with any type of fishing. Yeah. Any, anything in life, really. It's like the more time you spend doing it, the better you're going to get at it. And so. Yeah, yeah. you can learn a lot from, from watching YouTube videos and listening to stuff like this. But y'all are right. Uh, getting on the water and just testing it out yourself, you're going to learn way more and way faster. Well, I guess I'm going to sh- shut this thing down then because that's why I started this was to learn. No. <laughs> oh, you're, you can definitely learn from things like this, but but time on the water is important. Yeah, absolutely, man. Man, you guys have just been awesome. So if you want to hang out with us just for a few minutes, we got a couple of house cleaning, not cleaning, but just house maintenance things we got, we want to do. Uh, for anyone that's been viewing on the show, first of all, I'm just going to bring in as quick as I can, uh, if I can, here. I uh, got, oh man, where did it go? Oh man, somebody submitted a what was it like a seven pound? I can pull it up. Yeah, see if you could pull it up there. I just had it, and I don't know what I did. Hey, Luke, what's your biggest flounder? Yeah, what's your biggest flounder, Luke? Let's talk about that for a second. My my, it's a funny story. While you're looking for this, I'll tell you a story about my biggest flounder. Um, it's uh, it was thirteen pounds six ounces. Oh, Golly. Uh, okay, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna cut you off what, now. What did he eat? <laughs> And, and I got to say, man, it was um, it was when I was in the bow business and I, I had my own business. I was a marine electrician and I had an older gentleman with a John boat came to my shop and uh, and uh, he came and he could you could tell he just couldn't couldn't afford much. And just he needed his bilge pump and his live well pump kind of service. Couldn't figure it out. So I actually had both of the pumps had 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 um, pooped the bed. So he uh, so I had a couple extra ones that were used that were already paid for. So I just put them on. I said, man, no problem. And he he looked me square in the eye and he said, do you fish? And I said, oh, yeah, man, I definitely fish. And he goes, have you ever caught a flounder? I was like, man, and he goes, have you ever caught a double digit flounder? And I said, at that time, I hadn't. I said, no, man, I, I sure haven't. He's like, what are you doing Saturday? And I'm sitting there. I give him the old stink eye, square eye. I'm like, yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> so, but, but man, how, how can you say no to a guy that says he's going to put you on double-digit flounder? So I, I literally meet him at the at the ramp. He get, brings me out in his little tiller-handle john boat. You know, like cruising on the waterway. And then. And we hit this one spot that I swear to God, thousands of people have gone past and never even knew that there was something there. And we sat there. We caught seven fish that day. The smallest fish was seven pounds. He got the biggest one, and it was just over 15. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And where was that spot? Yeah, I was saying, uh, where was that, Billy? That was in Key West, Florida. Key West, Florida. I like it. Right, we're going. Hey, our next show is going to be coming from Key West, Florida. That's right. That's right. But sure enough, I mean, sometimes, man, you just uh, simple is better. And this guy knew what he was doing. He had a couple of just very simple things. So much, so much on the water. I, I, I feel like the more I know, the less I know. You know, the more kind of information that we put in our hat. A lot of times, it's harder to make a decision. Yeah, you uh, some, get so sucked into a pattern, it's hard to break out of it. Sometimes, you know, it is. And sometimes, man, just uh, honestly, some of the best days I've had is when I've just kind of thrown it all to the wind and just kind of went out and drank some beers, soaked some baits, and just relaxed and caught some big fish. And it's like, 
man, don't put don't put pressure on yourself. It's yeah. okay. Yeah, I can definitely attest to that. That's awesome. Absolutely. Well, I found that picture of of this. Uh, it's Jay Grisso. Jay Grisso. I'm gonna put the picture on here. I'm gonna cover nice. up. Yeah, man, look at that thing. That's so a solid. Seven point eight pounds. Yeah, it's a little smaller than the biggest one. I've, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty awesome. And so, guys, if you're watching, so um, actually, Jay is uh, Jay Grizzle, right? Yeah, that's he's going to be getting uh, a hat you from that us. Fish in the shop the so we'd be. Oh, yeah, yeah, awesome. Was, oh awesome. yeah, so he brought it in there and waited. Yeah, I wasn't there, but so uh, is that a true? That's true. Apparently, according to our scales, nice. I, you know, that's funny. I did see a picture the other day. I thought we should do a segment on the show. Like, is this real or is this fake? Because like it looks it. like look kind of funny. So maybe we'll do that sometime. So guys, uh, Jay is going to be getting one of our first hat. Actually, the very first hat that's made for Eastern Current. Uh, I was making it through through my company Thorpe Creative to, to for myself, and then I decided to give it away. Uh, so he's going to be getting that hat. We're going to get in touch with him, and then also we're going to run a and we're going to do this after the show. I just looked at my software, and it is. I wish I could do it live, but it's actually. Hold on, let me see if I can. It's a random um, comment generator, like so it'll pick from the comments the winner of that package. Uh, so I am just trying to figure out. Like, where's the... Hold on a second. Let me see if I'll do it here. No, this is definitely not going to do it. I don't want to spend too much time on it. Anyway, I got to put I got to put it like in the Should link. Should we just pick a random one the first time? Yeah, let's just do a random one. Let's that way just, we can do it live. Let's just scroll through the comments. Actually, we'll just do a random one. I'll just pick one because I don't want to keep everybody waiting and I don't want to. Let's do comment number thirteen. Comment number thirteen. Unless now I have to count one, two, three, four, five in this voice. Six, seven, eight. Nine, <laughs> 12, 13. Okay, so somebody else can count and make sure I'm correct, but I see Austin Parker as my number. Th- Actually, you know what? He's my number 13. That's how I count. Nah, I like it, Austin and, Parker. And Austin yeah, Parker, Austin. way to go, man. You are going to win the uh, Ice Strike package, and it's a little package. I think it was, like, what, 10 packs of jig heads? And yeah, some 10 stickers. packs of jig heads and some stickers, and that's going to get shipped to you directly from Ice Strike. So I will get up with Dave at Ice Strike tomorrow, and um, they'll get that in the mail to you. So. Congratulations, Austin. Yeah, that's awesome, awesome. guys. Uh, Someone said, let's see if we have any questions or comments. Uh, Yeah, man, a lot of people jumped on tonight. Guys, we really appreciate it. Uh, Josh Hay says, no flounder here in East Tennessee, but I'm ready for the next beach trip. Uh, and that's, that's my wife's cousin, so you know you got a place to stay, Josh, when you want to come. We'll book a trip with one of these dudes and see if we can't catch a 50-pound flounder or whatever. A fatty flatty. <laughs> a fatty flatty. A fatty flatty. <laughs> um, oh, and someone else asked earlier in the broadcast, how can we get some Eastern Current gear? Uh, we did actually, uh, through Thorpe Creative, we make online stores, and we do print-on-demand and ship-on-demand. Uh, so we don't really keep any stock of this stuff because, you know, we don't know if, like, if it's going to sell or whatever. Uh, but we can print them and ship them to you guys if you order. So go to etcurrent.com. That's etcurrent.com, and that it's just a web store. There's nothing else on there right now. We're going to eventually upload our podcast to there and then also uh, put our videos. So any of these videos uh, are going to be on YouTube as well. So we'll kind of share all that. If you guys want to follow us uh, on Facebook, just subscribe to our notifications or whatever, and we'll get all that information to you. Um, man, what a great show. What a awesome great first show. show. Hopefully, you know, high five uh, over across the room. Really worked hard to put it together there. Ben, once again, thanks for being a part of the show. Luke, uh, just amazing. You guys brought so much just quality content. Uh, And if our viewers, if you guys are watching uh, and you enjoyed the show, make sure you give us a like, give us a thumbs up, but more importantly, support us by sharing the show, sharing this uh, broadcast uh, as we've 
of what he's done tonight with your friends, family. And we'll be on next week. We are still kind of nailing down, you know, so that one of that it's a new show thing where we're we're nailing down our, our next show because uh, we're trying to really get unique stuff on the show. I, you know, hopefully, and, and get really qualified people on the show as well to talk about it. Stingrays. Stingrays. Yeah, we're going to be talking about how to get. We, uh... We call those Virginia flounder. Virginia flounder. Virginia flounder. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you a funny. I'll tell you a funny story. I was in the Outer Banks uh, at a, a different job I had, and I was up there talking to this older guy. I mean, he was like old, and uh, I said, "Man, what's the craziest fish that you've ever seen, or or whatever?" And he said, "I'm not kidding. I saw a stingray that was four feet thick from the ground <laughs> up." I was like, I didn't want to call the guy a liar in his tackle shop, but I was like, four feet thick. I mean, I call that a fatty flat. Uh, I call that a fatty. Shout flat. out to Ryan Christofferson though on Sunday for uh, f- fighting a uh, stingray. I thought it was a flounder for about fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Ryan! Way to go, Ryan! It, it actually did eat a soft plastic though in his defense. So. All go. right, right in the awesome. mouth. Hey man, if I catch anything, I'm excited. So cool, man. So uh, so listen real quick, man. What is going on on the water, Justin? I, I know we we kind of missed our whole fishing report, but if people are you know what's what's going on? Yeah, out there? so we're gonna to try to do a, a little bit of a fishing report, and Ben Ben can help me out with this as, as well. And well, we're gonna to try to do it at the beginning of the show. Totally forgot to. Today. Yeah, totally but, forgot to. But um, we are. we've had kind of finally gotten some rain um, this past little bit. But I would say everything's definitely firing off inshore. The redfish bite's been really good, um, and the flounder fishing's getting good inshore as well, and still catching some trout. Um, we've seen a lot of big trout. Around yeah, a lot really. of big trout, and um, I would say. The trout that I've been catching recently have been I've, – I've caught trout throughout the day, but definitely more in the morning. I feel like as that water temperature gets warmer, it's 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 key to kind of fish in the morning time. But, but yeah, that, that's kind of a pretty broad answer. But everything's been fishing pretty well lately, the, the redfish, the trout, and the flounder. So, All right. What do awesome. you think, Ben? Yeah, I was going to say, I'll add on to that. The, um, definitely see some larger trout. Um, we caught some on Sunday at, later in the afternoon, but – I mean, it was still about three o'clock. I think it was more tide dependent, honestly, on top water. Some three, four pound fish. It's definitely seen some bigger fish. Cool. And uh, flounder, like you said, but we've seen some larger flounder off the beach in the three to five mile range. Like I said earlier, we've weighed a ton of fish in, five to six pounds. And that one that uh, Judge showed earlier, Billy showed earlier, six to eight pounds. And, and then, yeah, everything's yeah. been good. Awesome, guys. Well, hey, once again, I'll just bring everybody back on camera here. Thank you guys so much. If you want to go fishing with Luke Donay, go to Spot on Charter, right, with no S. That's correct. Spot on. Somebody took my website down in Florida. Uh, <laughs> all right. Get him. So, Jerk. So reach out to him. Yeah, Spot on Charter. Uh, man, obviously you can see he knows what he's doing out there on the water. Um, so yeah, absolutely get in touch with him. And also, I don't know what Justin's calendar looks like. I've been trying to get on it for a year, but, uh, reach out to him also at Eastern Angling, uh, and follow at Eastern Angling, follow at Thorpe Creative, reach out to Cito and I strike, follow all those guys. Uh, once again, appreciate everybody. And if and, you need tackle when you're in this area, Ben is your guy. Ben's yeah. Your, ben if you is need the tackle, tackle guru. go and, no, and just tell good. Ben. We got a whole crew of tackle gurus. We'd love to help. Come see us. Over at Intercoastal Angler. Angler. Yeah, me, myself, Arlen, Ryan, Andrew, Blair, Chris. Come see us. Everybody. Everybody. Everybody, man. They all know what they're talking about. Or uh, or we'll make it sound like we know what we're talking about. (laughs) Hey, whatever. Or we'll call Luke. We'll call Luke. And one final question. What is the most annoying question you get asked in a tackle shop? (laughs) (laughs) Jeez, man. I really can't pinpoint any right off. Um. But talking about flounder, um, 
relay it to Flounder. One of the most annoying things is when all the guys fishing the shop, tourists especially, come in. Man, what can I catch a uh, flounder on artificial? Show them like a six inch jerk shad. Like, man, throw this. That's too big. That's way too big. <laughs> all right. Yeah, you're right. All right. You can find what you're looking for. Oh, man. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome, guys. Well, hey, once again, guys, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I'm trying to bring in this third camera here. Whatever. I'm just struggling cameras, whatever. It doesn't matter. I'll just put it on mine. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, be sure to submit your pictures every week for an opportunity to win something. We're going to be giving something away. We don't know if it's a sticker, a hat, a t-shirt, any of those types of things. Like, share our page. That's the most support you can do. Uh, head over to ET Current. Get you a shirt. Get you a hat. Something like that. Um, so anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll have some more information. We'll launch this week as we prepare for next week. All right, we'll talk to you then. Have a good one. Thanks, Luke. We'll talk to you soon, man. Later, Luke. Bye, guys. Later, talk Luke, to you man. soon, Luke. So we're talking to you.